When I received the call that my father had shot and killed himself, my first reaction was relief. Hi, I'm Ann Ryan. Welcome to Dream House, the real story of my father, Jack Ryan, who was the creator of Mattel's most successful toys, the Barbie doll and Hot Wheels. Jack was one of the 20th century's most prolific inventors and lived an over-the-top lifestyle in his never-quite-finished Bel Air Castle, where he entertained Hollywood's A-list at over 300 parties per year. But there's a darker side to the story, involving drugs, lawsuits, a standoff with the LAPD SWAT team, and Jack's life-and-death struggle with his inner demons. In 1968, Jack traveled to Paris to do research on castle architecture because he wanted to transform one side of the huge estate where we lived in Bel Air into a castle, complete with towers, a moat, and a drawbridge. He was obsessed with all things medieval, and hey, you know, a man's home is his castle, right? Annie had recently closed her tour guide and translation business in Paris, but a mutual friend at Perry Match magazine insisted that she help out this very special visitor from L.A. I asked her what her first impression of Jack was. I had been told that he was a millionaire. He was a very successful businessman, very successful inventor, engineer, they couldn't find enough words to describe him. So when I met him, he was friendly. He was not a tall person physically, but very secure. I asked Annie at what point during Jack's trip did things become more romantic between them? He chose a Russian restaurant, which was famous at the time for its music. It had a live band of Russian players and was famous for its food, and it served caviar. So we did go there, and of course, the vodka, the caviar, the music was very romantic. And obviously, Jack was putting on a show for my benefit. Uh, so I was very attracted to that. Jack and Annie's budding love affair was soon interrupted by the arrival in Paris of another woman. A girlfriend of his was supposed to arrive, I think, the second day or the third day of his visit. And he asked me if we could go to the airport and pick her up. So that sort of, it didn't put a, a, an end to my uh, attraction, but it, it did come as a surprise. And I was a little embarrassed because he had shown so much interest in me. And I, I was not used to that sort of thing. And I didn't quite know how to handle the uh, encounter, but I did agree to go to the airport. Obviously, I was there to drive him around. And I did agree to go to the airport and uh, met this very elegant, very uh, striking person who arrived. And she was a little put out by my appearance and my presence. Uh, which made me feel uncomfortable. So there was obviously some relationship between Jack and this lady. What Annie did not know is that the beautiful woman they had just picked up at the airport was Linda Henson, Jack's secretary at Mattel and longtime mistress. But Jack was also very smitten with Annie. And two days after the airport pickup, 
Annie received a beautiful bouquet of roses from Jack with a first-class ticket from Paris to Los Angeles. After considerable coaxing from Jack, Annie packed her bags and flew to Los Angeles. This was not Annie's first trip to LA. After graduating from the Sorbonne in Paris with degrees in English language and literature and American literature, she then attended Claremont Graduate School in Pomona, California as a Fulbright Scholar. Jack had an affinity for women that were both smart and beautiful, and his invitation to LA was both personal and professional. So getting back to the living arrangements on the estate, when you first came there, where did you live? I didn't live in the main building. There was a guest house, which was actually a pool house, which was attached to the pool on the lower level of the pool, and it had a bedroom and bath. I'm going to jump in here to give you an idea of what the living arrangement at the estate was like in 1968 when Annie arrived. My mother Barbie and my father Jack had been living separately under one roof for a while. There was plenty of room for that. I was 14 and my sister Diana was 12 at the time. We lived up on the third floor with my mother. My father's parents, Lily and Jim, lived on the second floor in a little suite of rooms. Jack was setting up the physical layout of his property to fit the demands not only of his wife, who, with whom he had separate lives, but also with his parents so that he and his mother would not meet constantly or that she wouldn't be aware of what his activities were. She was judgmental and so he would not have liked that look on her face. So he had essentially a separate suite within this huge mansion that he could access without crossing in front of any members of the family so he could basically carry on a, a private life without any interference. Correct. Basically, it was the uh, northern end of the property where he had access to the uh, parking lot where his car was and the lower south end of the property where he had the, all of the lower level and he had carved it out. And not only carved it out, but decorated it to suit his knees and his uh, architectural tastes. Uh, and we used to call that the rec room and it was uh, decorated with medieval decor. It had a big bar, which at the time was very important. Uh, this was, these days, people drank a lot, and parties m included a lot of drinking. And then attached to that was a, a pavilion. We called it the pavilion. It was a dance pavilion, which was great for outdoor partying with tables and chairs and, or dancing. And uh, we created that, I say we, because by that time I was working for Jack and I was involved in the decor of that pavilion. The idea was that I was hired by Jack on two fronts. One was to do, uh, to enhance his social calendar, which was very important to him because he worked hard. He was gone all day to, to Mattel and would come home rather late. First of all, there was a distance to cover. Uh, 
it's at least three quarters of an hour to an hour to get there. So when he came home, he wanted, as he said, things happening at the estate. And that meant a lot of people there because he loved people. He didn't want to have an empty house when he came home due to his childhood where the house was always empty when he was coming home after school. So he wanted to make sure that there was something going on, no matter what, at the estate. So he wanted a lot of parties. But in addition, you know, a, a little dinner party with so-and-so or a meeting with so-and-so. He loved meetings and we were supposed to do that. And that was pretty much my main activity at the beginning. And then uh, allied to that was the architectural aspect. I had to work on what he envisioned for the future to do to that part of the estate. I was asked to go to Paris and buy a lot of decorative items that were shipped from Paris to California. And that included mostly fabrics, decorative items like tassels and tapestries. I bought quite a few tapestries. I did call him a couple of times when items were expensive. I didn't want to spend too much money. But he was always, oh, go, go for it. If you like it, I'll like it. So he was very trusting. And he liked to do theme parties. Correct. And one of the biggest things was these Tom Jones dinners. The Tom Jones movie was very, very popular when it came out. And part of the Tom Jones movie was the famous dinner on the long banquet table, complete with goblets and beautiful uh, plates. And the menu was fitting, too. And Jack wanted to duplicate that. He had carved out and, and decorated a dining, t dining room downstairs uh, next to this beautiful party room that he uh, liked so much. And all these were basically mocked up. They were not final decor, uh, decorated rooms, but they were mocked up so that they did look like the real thing. That was his big pleasure, is make it look like it's real, but it's not real. So you could say it was almost like set decoration. Absolutely. It was a set decoration. And uh, actually hired people from studios to, to help, to suggest. The end result was wonderful because Jack's guests always oohed and awed when they came, when they were invited, particularly to those Tom Jones dinner. A Tom Jones dinner would include about 20, 25 people around the table. The table was set with silver goblets. There was the serving plate, which was silver, taken from those days. It included, obviously, food that you ate with your fingers. That was the big idea, because back then, people did eat with their fingers. Back then, I mean medieval times. So the idea was that you go back in time and eat with your fingers, which in Beverly Hills or Bel Air was a no-no. So I'll give you an idea of the menu. It meant artichokes with, served with a vinaigrette sauce, rack of lamb. I had discovered a pastry shop that served a croquembouche, and you tear the shoe apart from the pyramid. And of course, guests just loved that. So it was very congenial because it put people at ease right away. It was fun. And it brought people, it brought the fun out of people right away, just from the menu itself. And that was what Jack was looking for. 
break the uh, break the, the initial wall so that people are comfortable having fun doing something interesting exotic different that was his big idea Jack had a staff on the property which he had built up his idea was use students UCLA students which meant that it was higher level of intellect supposedly people who knew how to do things supposedly usually he hired engineer students architect students they were very uh, lucky to be part of this and very eager to be part of this the staff level was quite high and therefore the power of the staff was quite something and everybody talked about that in LA. Jack was also very interested in social engineering for lack of a better word and he kept files on all of the guests and they were then the data was entered onto the McBee punch cards, an early form of, of computing back then, because he wanted to be able to sort of scientifically engineer a party for maximum benefit. Yeah, so that when, when he had a, a, even a group of 20 people, he wasn't always able to speak to every one of them, but every one of those guests usually came from a, an interesting background, had an interesting background and was bringing a lot to the table. So since he wasn't able to talk to everyone, he wanted the people working for him, such as me or other uh, ladies who were hired as what we called back then social assistant. And he wanted us to make sure we got to know these people, got to know who they were, where they lived, wrote down their address, their phone number, so we could contact them again and got the information as to what they were good for, what they were known for, was very important to him because he wanted to establish a social calendar, people of interest, people of means, but mostly people of interest, people who did something that was interesting or came out of the ordinary. I wanted to get Annie's impression on some of the women that Jack was involved with over the years. He divorced my mother. The next wife he was with was Jaja Gabor. Well, I met Jaja at one of those parties. Jaja was a neighbor of Jack. She lived up the street on Nimes Road. And of course, she was famous to everyone. Jack was at, at the time involved and participant and benefactor of a charity called the Thalians. And Jack was very generous to the Thalians, both financially and in manpower. He was always lending his staff to the Thalians organization. The Thalians were associated with the movie industry and they give big parties. So Jaja was part of that too. She wasn't a Thalian, but she was, you know, showing up at parties. So that's how Jack got to know her. And of course, she was invited to Jack's party. So Jaja brought her little dog, which she was carrying under her arm. And when she was bored with it, she would pass it on to whoever gentleman was there next to her. And they were, of course, ready and willing uh, to carry the little dog around. Uh, at the end, when the filet mignon was served at the buffet, 
she insisted her dog get a plate of filet mignon. And of course, the waiter or the chef who was tending the filet mignon was happy to oblige. We gave the room for the little dog to um, eat off the plate on the ground. It was a sight to be seen. That was Jaja, and you know, you couldn't argue with it because that was part of her personality. After Jack married Jaja, she was aware of you and other women who had been part of his past. Wasn't she a little jealous? Well, Jaja was jealous by definition. She didn't like anything female running around. Whether we were working for Jack or not, we were taboo. You know, she wanted to make sure that Jack wasn't coming around to my apartment all the time. Uh, he did a few times, but not all the time. So that was the impact of Jaja on his life, and he didn't like that. I asked Annie about Barbara Kerr, who Jack got involved with in the late 70s. Barbara was an author and journalist from Chicago and had recently published her book, Strong at the Broken Places. Later on, Jack's work life became difficult. Jack was involved in lawsuits here and there, mostly with Mattel at first and then Ideal Toys. His mental health, his uh, physical health also, but his mental health somewhat deteriorated and he got involved with drugs. Alcohol was always a big thing for him. He used to drink and used to finish parties totally drunk. He did cocaine and he did other drugs perhaps that I don't know, but he did cocaine. And then later on, he did a cocktail of things. I don't think he ever did heroin. Uh, I was not a witness of that, but it was mostly cocaine. Barbara Kerr, he met somewhere back east. She was an interesting woman, had had an interesting background. She was a journalist. She was tall and skinny and had a great look to her. Not beautiful, but a look. And of course she struck Jack as interesting. She had a drug habit, and I'm not saying that she was directly responsible, but she certainly helped with his drug habit. And it was very destructive. And I was a witness to that, and I, I tried to, uh, to stop or discourage Jack many, many, many times. It was not successful. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed the show. There are many more exciting episodes coming up. Life at the castle, the parties, the fire engine, as well as my father's time at Mattel, the lawsuit, and its tragic ending. You're not going to want to miss a single episode of Dreamhouse, the real story of Jack Ryan. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.